0: Great to have your company on Racing Pulse this morning. It's great to have the company of the Mooney Valley CEO, Michael Browell. It's a big week out at the Valley, the build-up to the All-Star Mile. We've had a morning with the milers out there, and we've got the barrier draw at 1 o'clock, and perfect morning uh, for... The track work this morning out there, Michael, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Michael. It was an early
1: start this morning. The alarm went off there before six o'clock and it was just a a glorious morning at Mm. the track. And I think we ended up with six horses that are contesting the All-Star Mile uh, do their track work this morning. And a few of them looked, looked really sharp, alligator blood in particular. I was impressed with laws of indices as well. Alan Kerr, uh, they've had plenty of work into him. He, he looked sharp. I'm not sure that 1,600 at the Valley is his go, but uh, look for better things for him, deeper into his preparation.
0: There's no track or club that does a breakfast with the best or a mile, morning with a mile is better than Mooney Valley. So did you get a bit of a, a crowd out there? Yeah, there
1: was a few out there. Um, you know, it wasn't wasn't uh, widely publicised, but you know, a, a select group made their way out to, to watch the gallops. I think we had 40-plus horses Gallop this morning and I'm looking forward to a cracking race day on Saturday.
0: We'll talk about the field, I think there's still the final runner to be determined and the barrier draw which is coming up, but as well as the All-Star Mile, it, it's a big day on Saturday for the Valley as far as the leadership is concerned because Don Casbolt, after was it 18 years? And, and also David Kobritz a uh, standing aside as, as chairman and deputy.
1: Uh, David Kobritz isn't stepping isn't aside. So David stepped down as stepping vice. Stepping down as vice. Uh, so he, yeah. he stepped down as vice chairman last November, but yep. David's staying on the committee. Don's been with the the Mooney Valley Racing Club since 2005, became chairman November 2015. So after seven and a half years leading the club, uh, he's been a fantastic servant for the club, made a, an enormous contribution. So he steps away after the All-Star on Saturday
0: Um, What about the changes in that period Uh, and we'll talk to Don throughout the week but He's seen a uh, an overseen the future of the valley, the whole regeneration of the the course.
1: Yeah, and as chairman, his signature is on the development agreement, of course, with Host Plus and Hampton. He was a key architect of that project, and he, he led it led the the project going to market. So he was key there through the selection panel. Uh, of course, the the four Winks Cox plates. Don took the the chair after her first, but two, three, and four, of course. the the massive deal with Ladbrokes and also to leading the club and playing an important role leading the industry through the COVID pandemic as well. So he's looking forward to a quieter life now. He said at his farewell dinner, there on Wednesday night to his wife Karen. The diary's clear now, so <laughs> um, I'm sure he'll he'll have plenty of plans though in the in the near future.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. And what a wonderful way to finish on All Star Mile Day as well. So who takes over from Don moving forward?
1: Yeah, Adam Lennon has been appointed the chairman, and then we've got co chair uh, co vice chairs. Supporting Adam in John Blight and David Sin. So it's a regeneration of the the committee. Uh, I've been with the club 15 years now. Don was the last remaining committee member from when I joined in 2008. But the
0: club's in good shape. We're we're in a good position. Mm. I'll talk to you more about what the future looks like in a moment. But let's talk about the All-Star Mall. Do we have the final place filled in the all-star mile for uh, saturday
1: i've had a, a text come through it looks like there there is a 15th runner that will be announced shortly and of course we've got the the barrier draw out at the valley at one o'clock this afternoon so there there will be 15 horses facing the starter at 20 past
0: four on saturday there has been a bit of a, a ring around and and some attrition there's been a lot of debate about what the the format of the all-star mile is and I think probably the most exciting All-Star Mile was Held at Mooney Valley with that huge downpour just before and the the win of Mugatu. But from a a racing purist point of view and an administrator, would you like to see some tweaks with the the weight for age scale or anything else in regards to the All-Star Mile?
1: Yeah, this is the fifth running of the All-Star Mile and it's been tweaked each year. I'd imagine it will be tweaked again. The weight for age scale has been a point of discussion right from the start. When you get a horse like Alligator Blood, as an example, and then you get others such as a Keats, like there's such a big gap in the ratings points, but they're competing under weight for age. 15 runners, I think, is the challenge at weight for age if you want to get an elite field, but we've got some high class mm. horses out there on Saturday. It could be uh, that the race that we saw in 2021 is replicated, of course, on Saturday. I could just imagine Alligator Blood leading um, you know, in front on the corner. And I'm thunderstruck. He missed by about two strides in the Cox Plate back in October. I'd expect he'll be ridden a little bit closer um, forward. Uh, he galloped really well out at the valley this morning. So it, it'll be... It'll be an incredible atmosphere, and that's what the valley is known for. Hoping to have a crowd of 10,000. The weather's on our side, 28 degrees it's looking like. So I'm sure the, the atmosphere
0: will be electric. It's one of the, the big days when you combine it with the Golden Slipper in Sydney as well, and the coverage will be together on Channel 7. So from a, a, a race club point of view, how big is, is Saturday expected to be? Turnover, crowds, etc.
1: Oh, it'll be huge. I think it'll be the biggest turnover day in Victoria through the Autumn Carnival. Of course, the Super Saturday at Caulfield, this year at Sandown, that's always a big one. Flemington, they've spread their Autumn Carnival across the three. New Market, of course, on Saturday. And then the week after, the All-Star Mile, we've got the Australian Cup. But turnover should be north of $70 million, mm. um, which is a, a big number. Uh, but also, too, putting the All-Star Mile on when there's five Group Ones up in Sydney, the eyeballs around the country on Channel 7, SkyChannelRacing.com, should
0: be the biggest audience that we have across the autumn. Yeah, it'll be absolutely huge. And there has been some talk about what the current, I suppose, climate is, re really, interest rates, cost of living power prices, everything going up. Have we seen a decline in, in turnover in recent weeks and or, or months? And what does it look like moving forward, do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't see the turnover figures for the other Metro clubs, but I think you know, it's been down a couple of percentage points uh, across the year. Um, mm. It certainly hasn't fallen off the cliff. We're comparing it to... You know, the absolute peak through COVID there where half of the country was locked down, it was always going to soften coming out of COVID and then you've got the the broader economic impacts on top of that. But the industry's still really strong. Um, this year, I'm sure, will be the second highest wagering turnover result we've ever seen on racing here in Victoria. So the industry is really healthy. Um, it's holding up well. The, the racing's competitive. You know, we're still finding the situation where... We're putting complimentary feature meetings on in Melbourne and Sydney, which is, if you like, splitting the talent. Good jockeys, of course, can't can't ride in both venues and trainers as well on the horses. But I think it's um, shaping up to be a,
0: another bumpy year for us. Where do you sit on that aspect? Is it, well, we might get increased turnover because it's comparable to interstate races and punters who want to punt between the two? or you're not going to get Annabelle Neesham, you're not going to get James McDonald, you're not going to get the superstars at the meeting?
1: Yeah, you can't have it all. Um, it's been interesting seeing what's happened up in Sydney in the past five years, and I think I think the jury was out there for the first couple of years, but now that you've got the two biggest markets in the country that have focused in on the, the same days, turnover has been at record levels. And that was a key a key consideration for us in looking at shifting the Cox plate four weeks to the end of November, mm. was what would be the potential impact on wagering if you didn't have a, a major meeting in Sydney to, to complement that? If it was that the Cox plate meeting would be up against a meeting at Newcastle, um, you know, th- there was a, a risk the turnover would be significantly less. So, you know, you'd love to have the best jockeys with the best trainers and the best horses competing on the day but wagering is what drives
0: the industry and we need to make sure that we can maximize those opportunities so was that the main reason in the end that from moonee valley's point of view and maybe racing victoria's point of view that it was decided to keep the status quo uh
1: moonee valley didn't have to make a decision in the end so we had it earmarked for the february committee meeting the RV board meeting was two weeks earlier. We were waiting for an offer from Racing Victoria for us to consider. That wasn't forthcoming. I think there was many things that played into that. You know, wagering impact, the Victorian wagering licence is a, a key key consideration. The decision was made to make that change to the, the Caulfield Carnival, putting the 1,000 guineas the week after the final day at Flemington. But it was good. Uh, It was a good opportunity for us to have that discussion, there was good dialogue, there was plenty of positions that were canvassed and uh, the club had an open mind. Um, I'm not sure if that gets revisited next year, if it is we'll deal with that at the time but comfortable with where it all sits, the the Ladbrokes Manicado, of course shifts to the Saturday now. So we've got the two big feature group ones mm. on the Saturday. Uh, and the Moonee Valley Gold Cup, uh, now at a million dollars, it goes back and it will be the feature. That'll be the the key race on the Friday night, and it gives those horses heading to Flemington that extra day, leading into the Melbourne Cup to recover. Do you want to see it revisited, uh, the possible move of a, of a Cox Plate? Uh, we'll have that conversation if Racing Victoria want to look at that, but... Um, yeah, you know, the, the Cox Plate's been run on this Saturday in October for a hundred years. I, I'm not sure that it needs to change. I said in this studio, it would have taken an incredible offer from Racing Victoria to to make us consider that change. We didn't get to that that mm. point, so no, I'm really comfortable with where it sits now. The the tradition within the structure of the Spring Carnival effectively remains intact. Um, yeah, the, the movement of the thousand guineas that'll have minimal
0: impact on the balance of the carnival. So I think it's it's play on. You're a former um, boss of a, of a country race club. So do you think it's it just comes down to dollars and cents that the, those standalone country meetings towards the back of the carnival have to make way for more metro racing?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure packing them I don't think has been locked away no, yet. yet so Cranbourne shifting one week that won't impact them too much Ballarat pushes you know, that week closer to Christmas which might have an impact but in my time in country racing you know the public holiday standalone Wednesday the, that was the, the peak down at Mornington like mm. we I think we had 18,000 people there one year when Gunnamatta won his third so 18,000 18,000 yeah the, the place was packed you know the, the, there was no um Mayonnaise or GST on that number—it
0: it was a sellout. How so. do we get those crowds back nowadays?
1: Uh, it's interesting. Racing was was at its absolute peak back in the, the mid two that two thousands to two thousand and ten. Mm. I remember heading along to the Derby day. I think the day efficient one in two thousand and six and. I think the crowd was put out at one hundred and ten or one hundred and twenty thousand that day, but I am told that there was more there. It was it was the biggest crowd I've ever seen. Um, Mackay Deva was winning three Melbourne Cups at the time. RSA laws were a little bit more relaxed then, uh, but you know, fifteen sixteen years on, it is a, a different environment. You've now got the the wall to wall coverage on. Racing.com, dot com, Sky Channels got three channels. You get great free to wear coverage. It's a it's a different it's a different easy to put on your phone. It is, it is, and yeah, we're still trying to change consumer behaviour. Coming out of COVID, we need to encourage them to get out of their lounge rooms and come back and visit the track. And it's cheaper uh,
0: to do it at home, of course. Is that one aspect that is difficult to change? We, it's not just racing. We saw, you know, the the cost of a pint, fifteen bucks in some pubs, and. Um, football's putting the prices up as well from a a race club boss can you explain to the listeners who put on the sms machine every single day why is it so expensive to go to the races why is it so expensive for food and drink
1: yeah i'd argue that the price to go to the races outside of the feature meetings hasn't changed dramatically in the past 20 years you know it's still ten dollars on a non-feature meeting twenty dollars on a semi-feature and then you know anywhere between 50 and 80 for a A feature day. Race clubs uh, are bearing incredible cost increases as well. So, you know, the the cost of labour, utilities are are, are through the roof, security charges, police charges, maintenance, everything's gone up dramatically. You know, we get a fraction, just a a fraction of the the turnover that comes through. Yet, you know, the the argument is that, you know, we should be giving away food and beverage at cost prices. It just doesn't work like that.
0: So, What's the future look like, do you think? We just have to get used to maybe having um, lower crowds and it being more a an event for television other than major days?
1: Yeah, I think you know, if you compare racing club or, or race day prices for food and beverage, compare that to AFL, cricket, tennis, I think we're highly competitive. But a lot of people sit back and say, well, I can buy a slab of beer for $48. Why would I pay $9 or $10 for a can at the the races? Yeah, everything's cheaper if you buy it from the supermarket and you consume it at home, but there is a lot of cost involved in putting
0: the show on. Mm. Um, is there anything else that Mooney Valley is looking to alter, be it Autumn Carnival period as well? We've seen some movements in this Autumn Carnival. Are you happy with how it flows now? I think
1: it'll be interesting to see this year this is the first time the Australian Cup's been run after the All-Star Mile. I'll be keen to see how many of those horses that race on Saturday potentially back up. Yeah, you know, I think we're missing that star three-year-old mm. this year. Um, yeah, you know, whether that's cyclical, you know I'm sure that'll that'll bounce back. Uh, I, I think I think on the whole the, the the autumn carnival this year has been a success. Yeah, clearly shifting those feature meetings from Caulfield out to Sandown. There was some impact on the, the crowds there so, yeah, there's an interesting debate going on on with that but you know, we haven't outside of the All-Star Mile we haven't shaken up the, the, the program through the autumn for you know, 10 or 15 years mm. yeah, there's an opportunity I think to, to tweak it we, we've got some ideas on some feature races that we'd like to, like to invest in um, we've had a, a couple of ideas on some new initiatives as well so that'll be part of the ongoing conversation with Racing
0: Victoria With Caulfield getting closer to opening up its new track, where where does the night racing landscape sit moving forward?
1: Yeah, well, we've, uh, we've got a night racing season this year, which is 16 meetings. In other years, it's been up to 18 meetings. We'll retain all of those feature Friday night dates that we've got. The decision, I think, now sits with Racing Victoria on those Friday nights that we don't race. Will it be better for them to program those meetings on an inside track at Caulfield? Yeah, you know, increasing the number of metropolitan meetings, or just transferring the Wednesdays across from Sandown, and then you look at the the flow-on impact that will have with Cranbourne. Cranbourne's created a niche in that Friday night space. The other option, of course, is Caulfield looked to to run instead of Wednesdays at Sandown, Wednesday nights at Caulfield. Now I'm not sure what that will do uh, for the the wagering pie, whether that increases, but. Common sense tells you 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 put your product on when people can consume it. There's more opportunity for people to watch it and to, to wager on it. If you're running a, a six till nine Wednesday night mm. rather than a, a twelve to five
0: Wednesday afternoon, just on wagering, did that Sunday meeting a couple of weeks ago work from a wagering point of view?
1: Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a, a great success in a wagering sense. So we've requested to Racing Victoria that that Sunday re- revert back to the Friday night. Yeah. So that was a, a one-off um, trial there. I think. You know, we might look at a, a Sunday at a different time in the year, but looking at the English sales, it's always been a, a great night where people inspect horses Thursday, Friday, come to the races Friday night, and then they're back out of the sales on Sunday. So that will revert
0: back to, to its historic Friday night slot next year. Uh, as are you part of this legal action uh, from Racing New South Wales or is that Racing Victoria? Have you got any input on no, in
1: that? No, we're just a shareholder of Racing Victoria, <laughs> so we have a pecuniary interest, of course, in, in that. But Any view on what's occurring there? Uh, again, I've said it in this studio before. I'd just love it if Racing Australia could sort itself out. There's so much that we're not addressing at the moment. We all have an obligation to industry participants, industry stakeholders to work Cohesively to to make sure that the industry is as healthy as what it possibly can be. It appears that there's a a lot of pettiness to to what's going on. I'd love it if both powerful states, New South Wales and Victoria, could make their way back to the table and Racing Australia could function as we need it to. But no, thankfully, we're not in that lawsuit. Um, The one that surprised me, I think, last week was hearing that Owners get clipped 2% of their prize money up in New South Wales, but if you happen to be a Victorian stable, the, the strapper doesn't get that mm. cash. Instead, it just makes its way to consolidated revenue in racing New South Wales. Now, you can write the rules ever how you want, but I would have thought that that's becoming very petty um, if you if you like clipping it off strappers, which are some of the hardest workers in the
0: industry, and they're not getting their just reward for a, a feature win. Yeah, no, uh, exactly right. Uh, unless you're a very big player and then you might be able to get that money <laughs> yeah. from the biggest race. Yep. Uh, Michael, who wins the All-Star? Uh, I'd, I'd
1: have to be with Gay Waterhouse, mm. Adrian Bott. You know, Tommy Smith won seven Cox plates. We haven't had Gay on the, the Cox plate on a roll. I think she's got a chance to win a, a feature at the Valley on Saturday. She was out there bright and early this morning. He looks in great shape, and yeah, we all love a bold front runner. If he comes around the corner and he kicks clear,
0: I'd imagine there'll be a, a mighty roar at the Valley. Well, it'll be good to see. I've got a little clip of going with Dan Hardy out there this morning as well. And just for the punters who are thinking of going, um, what can we look forward to?
1: All right, uh, we've got Shepherd doing a, a concert after the last race. Uh, the, the big opportunity, though, of course, is to to win two hundred and fifty thousand or a minimum 10,000. The club has a horse in the All-Star Mile, Agon. So simply when you get on course, scan the QR code, you're registered, 20 past two, that will close off. 245 mm. the winner is announced and they're in the running to, to win quarter of a million dollars and we saw the horse gallop this morning and he got around the valley really well I think he's um, a sneaky chance he's he's not the worst he's definitely not the worst so there are tickets still available uh, and of course we've got the all star party jump on the au. there will be tickets on sale on the day at the gate but yeah 28 degrees, it'll be a, a
0: cracking day. Make mm. sure you trackside. The Alistair Clark is a huge uh, addition this year. Dunkell, Amenable, Japanese Emperor, Mr. Maestro, Virtuous Circle, who was good in the guineas. It's a really good field this year.
1: If I could give your listeners one tip out of the, the gallops oh, this morning, yes. Amenable. Really? Galloped brilliantly. Yeah, right. he, it, he, he was one of the best workers of the morning. So not not taking away from a few of the others. Um, yeah, Mr. Maestro, he was... He was fantastic. Dunk L was,
0: was great, but amenable. He he galloped brilliantly this morning. All right, you're down. Um, Marty Simon thinks he's the best tipster at Moody Valley. You might take that crown. All right, no, I, I might go the double A's in a in a, a multi, there. alligator blood amenable. Sounds good to me. Uh, Michael, uh, enjoy the build-up. You'll be out there for the barrier draw. We'll be out there as well with Andrew Bensley doing it live on RSN a little later today around about 1 o'clock. Fantastic. Thank you.